Um, before we came uh, to Fort Collins, I shared some of the story last week, uh, just about the year before the Richters and, and the Duns, I guess, is the clan came up here to, to Fort Collins. Uh, an eldership in Lufkin, Texas, uh, called Jason and I to come meet with them. Uh, it's actually the same church that Dan Grenier is working at right now. And uh, we thought they were asking us to come meet with them because they were going to make us a, like an offer for a job. And I was like, I'm getting out of Texas. I'm, there's no way. Uh, but they weren't. This eldership called us hours away to come meet with them because they wanted to pray over us, because they wanted to encourage us, because they wanted to strengthen us. It was one of the most beautiful meetings with an eldership I've ever had in my life. Um, I will never forget them to this day for doing that for us. Uh, one of those elders was driving through Fort Collins and just remembered me and called me on the cell phone to just ask me how I was doing that he's been praying over me. And I thought uh, they taught me a lot about what an eldership is and what an eldership is called to do. It's a temptation for us to imitate what we know in this world, for us to imitate what success is in this world and to use terms like success in the same way that the world uses terms like success. To construct a church after a model that we see as successful in businesses. Um, success would be determined on, on numbers. It would be determined on growth. It would be determined on a number of things. Organization. Um, and, and a host of other areas. But we would be tempted to imitate leadership that we see in the world. And I guess in some ways there's, there's benefits to, to learning from that. But the truth is, being a shepherd in God's kingdom is a very spiritual thing. It's engaging in a very spiritual war. In fact, twice in, in Paul's uh, in letter to Titus and to Timothy, he says this, you are engaging in God's work. And then later he says, this is how you are to conduct yourself in God's house. This is what you're a part of. This is what you're engaging in. And in Acts 20... Paul, this is the same Paul who in Philippians 3 said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's amazing how his journey paralleled Christ's journey. Um, to the point that, you know, the, the Gospels build up to Jesus' final return to Jerusalem and how all of the people in all the towns said, don't go to Jerusalem, you'll die if you go to Jerusalem. The same thing happened to Paul. And finally, at the conclusion of his ministry, he writes these words, and I really want you to focus in on these words with me. He writes these words that says, my ministry has come to an end. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm heading there, and when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be delivered up. The same way Christ was delivered up is what's happening. And so he comes to the eldership in Ephesus. In the last few weeks, in the seven churches, I talked to you about the importance of the church in Ephesus at this time. But he specifically goes to the church in Ephesus. Actually, he's in Miletus, which is 63 miles south of Ephesus. And he calls for the elders of the church. And all of the elders go from Ephesus 63 miles down to meet Paul and Miletus. And this is what he says to them. You know how I lived. I'm in verse 18 now. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. 
You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but was taught you, but I taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock with which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I want to come, I'm going to come back to this verse, but he says this. And this is something, and this message I'm giving you today is not simply for elders. I'm going to explain why. But he says this, keep watch over yourself and the flock. First, keep watch over yourself. And then the flock. And he says this is the reason why. Even from your own number, oh, he says, um, be shepherds of yourself and the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock, even from your own number. Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to his ship. And the very first verse of the next chapter says this, after we had torn ourselves away from them. The, the relationship, man, that, that tight bond that he has with these companions, knowing he would never see them again. I don't know if you, several of you know what this is. To part ways with someone that has been a companion in your faith or a companion in your journey, knowing you would never see their face again. That this would be the last time you would see their face. And having to be torn away from them. And he leaves them this and he says, man, this is what I dedicated my life to. I gave myself to this and now I'm going. My ministry is over. My journey is complete. And this is what I know is ahead for you. Savage wolves will come in among you 
And he even says this, from your own number. And you've heard the statement, man, what, how do you recognize a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing? And this chapter is about what? How do you recognize a wolf in shepherd's clothing? What happens when the wolf is the shepherd? What happens when the wolf is the one governing the flock? This kind of a thing. There was a sermon by Landon Saunders he preached in 1974 at ACU that changed my life. I can remember the sermon. I can almost quote the sermon verbatim. If it weren't complete plagiarism, I'd just do it. But Landon Saunders did this message on, uh, on the wolf. And he concludes his message on the wolf by saying this, We're so busy looking for the wolf. He says, you need to be careful and look in the mirror and just check occasionally that you're not him. And that's what he means by saying, saying, keep watch over yourself and to your ministry. And I I thought about what message I would give this morning. Um, I felt bad last week. I was short on time. I was sick. And this, this theme of elders means so much to me. And I didn't want it to be something where I just stood up before you and said, well, these are the qualifications for elders. Look amongst yourself. Find somebody. It's not that cold. In fact, the, the, the lists that are given to you in First Timothy and Titus, they aren't intended to be checklists. What I mean by that is, if you compare the list of deacons, say, to the list of elders, there are going to be things that are listed in the list of deacons that aren't listed in the list of elders. Things are listed in the elders that aren't listed in the work list of deacons. There's not one of those things you wouldn't apply both directions, okay? So the idea isn't, this is the, the qualifications for this, these are the qualifications for this, it's saying this, and this is the key verse, First um, uh, Timothy 3.14. I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. These aren't simply positions and their various qualifications. This is what every man and what every woman is to aspire to be in their life. This is how we are to conduct ourselves in God's house. When you come in somebody's house, and obviously this word house here means like temple, like a priesthood working in the temple, and you had to have all of these requirements, and you had to be clean, and you had coming in here and saying, I am in the holy house of God. This is how I'm to conduct myself. I grew up when I was a kid. My parents, because I was a bad kid, put me in a, I, wasn't, I don't think I was a bad kid, but they, they put me in a private Lutheran school for a while. And I remember that whenever something bad would happen in the, the school, somebody would say, oh, you're in God's house. Because we were in the building, right? And we had that idea that if I was in this place that was this holy sanctum, that, that somehow, man, i got to conduct, my, conduct myself in a certain way. When I was baptized into Christ, I was baptized into his kingdom, into his house. And there's a level of conduct that that demands of me in my life. It says this. I'm just going to go through these. You're not to be greedy for money. You don't lord over the people. In other words, and this one's important to me, man. When you're the elder, you're not the boss. We get that confused. He's the boss. Okay? He's the boss. We work for him. He's the, he's the shepherd. We, we work for him, and we're, we're, we don't lord over the flock. We don't put ourselves in a position of pride as though, hey, this is, our, this is our institution, this is what we're doing, this is where we're heading, this is, hey, look, aren't we successful? It's not that. That's pride. 
Don't lord over the people. Don't be polygamous. Um, devote yourself to your wife. Wives, devote yourself to your husband. This is difficult. This is a very touchy subject. And man, this is very serious. This idea that, man, you are going to be the husband of one wife. You're going to be the wife, it says to widows later. You would be a one-man-woman, one woman too. It says the same thing. This idea that I am devoted. I will give myself completely. Their children believe and are not wild and disobedient. They're not overbearing. They're not quick-tempered. They're not given to drunkenness. They're not violent, quarrelsome. Not a recent convert. That's the only one that I could find in the list that was like something that wouldn't apply to everybody. I can't control whether I'm a recent convert or not. Must be willing, right? Blameless. Wow. Hospitable. A lover of good. Self-controlled. Respectable. Hospitable. Able to teach. Upright. Man, if I, if I saw a list of qualifications like this, I'd be really intimidated by it. You know, it's one thing, I've only gone through the process when you go to a church, and, and, and I, I shared with you a funny story that happened to me when I was, <laughs> it's so awkward doing preacher searches, it really is, because you're not supposed to compete when you're preaching the Word of God, right? You're, you want other people to do better than you. I, but, but you go to places, and the questions you answer, they're not so much like this, because people don't know your character. It's usually based on your qualifications, your experience, um, how you answer certain questions, how you feel about certain doctrines. But one, one resume I saw one time, it wasn't a resume, it was the qualifications for a church. It actually said, must be good looking on the thing. <laughs> it, it, I, Melinda contested, I showed it to her. I said, it was a, so I was going to send in a picture of Brad Pitt and be like, I'm, <laughs> I'm set, man. How creepy. But, but, but I, I thought about that and I was like, how carnal we can become when it comes to spiritual matters. And that is the most important thing to me when I was praying and thinking about this. Um, I'll, go th- I'll go through this and there's one I wanted to focus on. It said they must be holy, disciplined, holding firmly to the message, encouraging others through teaching. And when it says teaching this, a lot of people confuse this. They assume that means public teaching. We've always assumed that. And we look for men, hey, do they teach classes? Do they not teach classes? Nothing in this has ever said public teaching. It means this. They're able to defend why they believe what they believe. They're able to explain why they believe what they believe. They're able to teach and bring somebody to that. It doesn't mean they stand up in front of large groups of people. right? Um, they refute those who oppose... They have a good reputation, right? But there's one in particular that's in 1 Timothy 3 that really meant a lot to me and caught my attention. It says this. They have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. I thought about, I thought about that, the devil's trap, and how real um, I believe it is that Satan is at war with God's church. And how real I believe that it is that Satan is in a specific war with leaders in God's church and with your families. As weird and as strange as that sounds, I can't explain much of it, but I do believe this. I believe that as leaders in God's church, you are targeted. I believe that Satan has set up traps. 
I believe that He wants to target our lives and I think He wants to bring us down. And that's specifically why. So He can expose you to the world and say, look, hypocrites. Look what's happened, right? And so that was the first thing I thought when it said this, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock of God. That the biggest challenge I would want to give the body here to every man and really to every woman but specifically to those that would lead and, and, and lead us as shepherds, would be this. Keep watch over yourself. Those were Jesus' final instructions. Remember to his disciples in the garden, why couldn't you stay awake with me? Just for one hour, keep watch, keep watch, keep watch. There's such deep symbolism in what he's saying. Listen, I'm about to go, and savage wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock. Jesus said the same thing, then Paul says, and he says, this is what's about to happen. Most of us have been engaged in ministry. And I, it's, it's hard for me, um, because God gives me strength. He's always given me the strength I need. But I've said it so many times to Melinda, you know how much easy, easier ministry would be if you just didn't care about people? Um, it's the burden of loving It's the burden of loving that makes ministry ministry. It's the burden of loving that keeps you up late at night. It's caused me to throw up because of how much I love people sometimes. To witness Acts 20 in my life so many times when I see a wolf come in and wreck a family apart. When I see a wolf come in and wreck a person's mind. Acts 20... 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1 are not given to us for us to look back on our lives and say, wow, I'm a failure or wow, I'm a success. That's not the point. And so if you're sitting here like me and you look at these chapters and you say, man, who can live up to this? No, listen, it's giving you this challenge. If you want to be devoted to God's kingdom, first devote yourself to your family. If you want to be devoted to God's kingdom and keep watch over others, first keep watch over yourself. Keep watch over your own kingdom. Keep watch over this own castle. Keep watch over this because Satan wants to come in not as a wolf in sheep's clothing. He wants to come in as a wolf in shepherd's clothing. That's how he wants to come in. And I've committed myself. And the elders here, I look at and I respect and I honor as amazing leaders in my own life and people I look up to. But it terrifies me that I would look in the mirror one day and find out that I'm the wolf. To look in the mirror one day and find out that I misrepresented his kingdom and Satan used me to bring others down. There there was a time in my life where I felt that way. I felt like every single person that I looked up to let me down. Except for my parents, really. It was everybody. It was like everybody that I had ever looked up to let me down. And I thought, man, I can't look up to anybody anymore. I I can't trust somebody. And then I found out and I discovered this. We are all alike. Every single person in this room. Big homes, homeless, big incomes, no incomes, whatever you are, We are victims of sin. And you would come in here and you would say, maybe I'm the only person that's going through what I'm going through. 
Because the other people in here don't know what it is to go through this sin that I've, I've, they don't know what self-injury looks like. They don't know what, what being worthless feels like. They don't know what being betrayed. They don't know what that abuse that happened when I was young. They don't, listen, every single one of us in this room has been victimized in a very tragic way by sin. In some way, we have been. Every single one of us feels in a very visceral sense what it means when it talks about savage wolves coming in and not sparing the flock, ripping them apart. You are in a room full of people, and this is the ultimate challenge I wanted to give you as men that would be elders, men that are serving as current elders, to myself and to those that are, have a heart for God in this room. God is very present in this place, and so is Satan. There are families in this room that are suffering greatly. And there are people in this room that have been so, so victimized by sin that they don't think they can ever, ever get out from under it. There are people in this room that are in the teeth of a wolf right now. There are families in this room, there are minds in this room that have been betrayed and tricked and deceived. And God's called shepherds. And that gives us two responsibilities. The one, I pray that if God has laid it on your heart to be a shepherd, that regardless of the how intimidating, how daunting, time, whatever, I pray that God would put a heart in you that you would do that. Because God needs you. Now, I shouldn't say that. That's bad. You need God. And the church needs you. But I also want to give this challenge to the flock. Trust shepherds. Go to people. Have people that you're willing to go to and say, you know what? I'm hurt. I need help. It's one thing if the church appoints shepherds. But it's also more important and that you personally appoint these men in your life that you also recognize them as your shepherds. That you're willing to go and say, you know what, I'm hurt, I need you, I need help. That's what they're there for. Because my life's aspiration is to somehow be what I just read about. I want that. I want, to, I want this to be said about me. And I need men in my life, and I need women in my life that I can put up and say, can you help me get there? Can you help me with this battle? What do I do? And so I pray that this journey for all of us would be a very spiritual journey. I don't want to limit this to a simple cold list of qualifications and voting or whatever. I want this to be something where we can actually look at this text and say, wow, it says here that they were appointed by God. Whatever that means, appointed by God to serve in that role in God's work, in God's house. Um, let's lift this up in prayer. Lift these men up in prayer. And then I want to give this final challenge. Um, who is the flock? I don't have a good answer for that. I'm convinced of this. The flock is not limited to the people that meet within the walls of Metal Art Church of Christ. I'm convinced of that. I could talk to you about why in a longer study if you would... I don't know. I pray that to the shepherds that God would reveal to you who his flock is. 
I pray that we would not just look at the people that meet within the walls of this building, but we look to the weak and to the injured and to the hurting that might not be within the walls of this building. That we would lift up our eyes and have the same love for the lost and the same love for the lost sheep that Christ does. Um, My Father, I just want to come before you and... It's a sobering message, God. I um, I don't recognize enough uh, that we're a part of a work that is so much different from this world, so much greater from this world. I pray, God, that you would um, help us to keep watch over ourselves and our ministry, that you would guard us from the wolves that would come in, that you would guard us from any spirit that is not from you. God, that you would robe your church with a spirit of love, oneness and unity that you would break down the barriers that come between us as people and God that we would lift each other up above ourselves I pray that you by your spirit would call men to serve in this role to help shepherd your flock and I pray God that um, as our as our chief shepherd God that you would slay anything that would damage the spirit that is in this place and that, God, that you would protect us. And that this whole thing, and we do what we can by our processes, but ultimately that this whole thing that we're engaging in would be led by your Spirit. I love you so much, Lord. I praise you for calling Miguel as, as a shepherd to those that you care about so much in Fort Collins. And I, pray for, I praise you for raising up shepherds in different ways that because of the own pain that has been inflicted in their lives. You've given them a deep love for others. And I pray, God, uh, that blessing over your church today. Uh, Bless these words to our hearts. Bless them to our actions. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship our God together.